From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, putting the iris in its place. I use it in every patient with history of tonsillosin, even if we have suspended. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. Eye of Newt and Toa Frog, Wool of Bat and Tongue of Dog, Adder's Fork and Blind Worm Sting, Lizard's Leg and Howlet's Wing. This recipe is neither ophthalmological, despite the initial reference to the amphibian orbit, nor particularly empiric. But in truth, we are in no position to criticize. Many of our own surgical cocktails are little more evidence-based than Macbeth's witch's brew. This is not a trivial matter in the management of intraoperative floppy iris syndrome, or IFIS. Fortunately for us, Ramon Lorente Moore has studied intracameral phenylephrine in the context of IFIS and speaks to us today in very empiric terms. We've discussed IFIS quite a few times in this podcast, but for those listeners unfamiliar with the term, can I get you to describe IFIS, its associations with systemic medication, and the, the surgical complications that we can see as a, as a result? IFIS was first described by Chang and Campbell in 2004, and is characterized by a triad of signs that occur during cataract surgery, like iris belonging, iris prolapse, and progressive intraoperative meiosis, even in the apparently healthy iris. And this is associated with systemic administration of tamsulosine, another alpha-1 adrenergic receptor antagonist, such as alphuthosine, doxathosine, and terathosine. However, tamsulosine leads to a more common and severe IFS than other non-selective alpha-1 blockers. The most serious may be its posterior capsular rupture. It was described by China in the 12% of the cases that he didn't knew that was on, on tamsulosine. When the patient, when he, when the surgeon knew that it was on tamsulosine, this declined to 0.6%. So it's very important to know that patient is on tamsulosine. Other complications would be iris atrophy, dialysis, and we had two cases of misdirection that is not published. But I think that maybe because with the belowing of the iris, you know, it would be easy for the for the BSS to go further behind the, the lens, but I'm not sure if this only due to the tamsulosine. Now, we're going to be talking about the use of intraoperative midriatics. How is IFIS typically dealt with intraoperatively? There are many techniques and procedures have been proposed to mitigate the potential intraoperative problems. I think management strategies can be divided into four main categories. I would say pharmacologic therapy, like intracameral epinephrine, phenylephrine, preoperative atropine, viscomedriasis, 
All of them are there many reports about talking about them. Devices like pupil expansion rig, iris hooks, malleolian rings, and surgical measures to minimize anterior chamber tub turbulence and things like that. I think we can divide in those categories to work with. Ramon, can I get you to describe the design of your study? This is a prospective, randomized, comparative case series of fellow eyes. Of fellow eyes. This is the only one that has with fellow eyes. Undergoing cataract surgery performed by two surgeons at two different sites. One was in the university hospital, University of Florence, and the other one in the University Hospital of, of La Coruña. And what patients were receiving tansulosine, only tansulosine, not other, 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 other else. And scheduled to have routine phagomultiplication, cataract surgery were included in this study. The randomization was performed using computer-generated random numbers so that one eye was randomized to group one with the second eye automatically assigned to group two. And that was the, this is the design of the, uh, of the, of the study. And I think that the most important thing is that we did it with a fellow eyes comparison. Now, how did you know that, that a concentration of, of 1.5% phenylephrine would be safe to administer um, intraocularly? Well, we knew that, uh, you know, there was a study of Lundberg and Bending in 2003, the journal Cutter Refractive Surgery, and they would, they show us to us there was no problem systemic or ocular so the, we thought that could be safe before this study we did another one with 250 cases that was published in less less year in journal of anatropia and so in the first cases we look at everything to see that was perfectly well so when we start this study we knew that it was completely safe for also systemic and also for the for the endothelium and the, and, and the eye. Anyhow, a larger sample, however, would be required to rule out unexpected rare adverse events in regard to systemic side effects. But we didn't, we didn't have any side effects in one single case. We've been working with phenylephrine 1.5 since 2007. So at this moment, it's five years. We do about 4,000 cataracts a year, so it's about... 200 cases, but uh, you know, uh, we have 17 surgeons in the hospital, and some I only use it with tonsillosin, but many of others use it with any kind of medication that could produce uh, IFIS, and we don't have any problem, not even one case. And in Spain, it's very common now to use two phenylephrine since three or four years ago, so it hasn't been report any problem with endothelium or site or systemic effect. Can I get you to walk me through a typical procedure? Yes. Well, uh, anyhow, I start with topical mediatics. I use tropicamid, 1%, and phenylephrine, 10%, and a topic diclofenac. And about, uh, so we start to dilate about 30 or 40 minutes before surgery with about one drop of each, of, of each every 10 or 15 minutes. So it would be three or four drops of each. We use topical anesthesia, about three drops, tetracaine, five minutes before starting surgery. And after paracentesis, we always inject 0.3 of intracomodal lidocaine, 2%. Then we, did, when we use the uh, phenylephrine, 1.5, about 0.6, 0.7. You know, if you want to be sure that you inject 0.6 cc, you must 
half in the swing about first 0 0.7, 0 0.8. No? And it's important also to be sure that you don't lose phenylephrine uh, some amount through the paraphentesis. I consider also important to, to inject slowly, huh? try to, to avoid that escape that I'm telling you. And I wait about 20 seconds before injecting the viscoelastic. After that, we, that's, everything is absolutely the same thing that with any other cataract. For the purpose of this study, how, how did you quantify the degree of IFIS that someone had? Well, all the charges were videotaped, but uh, you know, the, we first thought that the IFIS score was, was, I would say, zero with no manifestations of IFIS. One, if there's one sign of IFIS, I would say two with two signs of IFIS and three with three signs, three manifestations no, of, of IFIS, independently of which one were. And the, the sergeant was the one that would say at the end of the procedure if he saw one sign, two signs, or three signs. If we have any doubt, we went to the videotape. But the truth is that we never had to go to the videotape to see any signs. It was very clearly during the procedure. And what were your results? What were your findings? Well, in group, group one is the group that uh, we injected phenylephrine. Uh, and in group two, that is, we didn't inject phenylephrine, we had an 88% of the cases show signs of ISIS. Grade one in 9.5%, grade two in 16.6%, and grade three in 61%. And this crisis was eyes below in 83%, iris prolapse 76%, and meiosis in 69%. In group one, there was the incidence of IFIS was zero. And in the group two, in 54% of the cases require IPH because not, in every, not because we saw one sign, we just uh, inject uh, phenylephrine. Only when there was a significant cases or significant signs. And that what we consider that in 54% of the cases. And in all the cases, in all of these cases, uh, they restore the, rigid, the rigidity of the iris were restored. And, my, and the pupil delighted until uh, uh, more or less very close to the initial, initial the dilation of the patient, of the eye. Now, while we're on the subject of dilation, you excluded patients with pupils that were less than 4.5 millimeters. Why, why was that? Yeah. Well, for safety means, you know, because in any patient with a pupil of 4 or 4.5, you must work with the pupil, you must enlarge the pupil, or at least that's what I do, you know, maybe a stretching or maybe with other types. When In cases of IFIS, you can stretch the pupil. So in this patient, the only way to, to enlarge the pupil is with devices. So in these cases, we, only, we always use iris hooks. Because I think, well, you know, in a patient with four millimeters, I would say that it's more ethical to, to enlarge the pupil. In the context of your own practice, do you now routinely administer intracameral phenylephrine to all of your patients with a history of tamsulosin use, or do you wait to see signs of IFIS first? No. I use it in every patient with history of tamsulosin, if, even if it has suspended. And... I don't use it in other treatments, but not uh, tamsulosin, other 
other non-selective of uh, one blockers because that's so occasional that you have any problem with, with IFIS. But in terms of leucine, I start always with phenylephrine. It's very, it's very easy to do it because, you know, the, it's, you, can, you restore the, 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 you have containers they, in the pharmacy. They give us, uh, we have many containers of phenylephrine, two milliliters, and you can store everywhere you want in the, in the surgery room. So I think it's very easy to inject it. It doesn't take long and you're free of any problems. Since you constitute your own intracameral phenylephrine in, in your own pharmacy, how concerned are you with TAS? No, we didn't have any, any TAS. The IPH is prepared in the pharmacy department of our institution under laminar flow conditions and every they do a culture every every every, every time that they give us a... Uh, a container, and they are preparing it since 2007. We do about, I told you before, before about 4,000 cataract surgery a year, so, and we didn't have any single case of test, not even one of them. But uh, we don't do it in the, uh, I must insist in that, we don't do it in the, in the surgery room, it's in the pharmacy department. And they also prepared for us many things like lidocaine plus adrenaline, vancomycin, and everything. No, we didn't have any, any problem with that at this moment. I am generally reluctant to prescribe atropine preoperatively for these patients because I'm worried about urinary retention. Do you prescribe atropine for these patients no, pre-surgically? In the beginning when we were... You know, we try everything until we get to the phenylephrine, everything, even the, you know, the sugar the cocktail and everything. And uh, we try atropine also. And we have, we had one problem with urinary retention because also at that moment we stopped the use of tamsulosine. At this moment we don't use anything. We don't use atropine. We don't use, you don't make any viscomidriasis type or, and, and we don't suspend the, also. I don't need at all atropine if you're going to work with phenylephrine. Now, besides patients starting out with pupils less than 4.5 millimeters, some, some patients with IFIS still require mechanical iris retractors or, or rings. What, what are your criteria for employing these devices? I prefer to use iris retractors than the average rings or then malleogen rings. And I use it in every patient with a pupil about four millimeters. At four, 4.5, about that. Also, it would depend on the consistency of the cataract, of the nuclear of the cataract. If it's a very, very hot cataract, or if it's also, we have here many exfoliation where I live. So if you see that uh, that it's going to be a very complicated cataract and, and the pupil is small, I would say about, um, I'm, we're talking about 4.5, but it depends. Maybe sometimes it's 4, not more than 4.5. I prefer to work with iris hooks. Thank you very much, Ramon. Thank you, Josh. Ramon Lorente Moore comes to us from the Department of Ophthalmology at the Compleo Hospitalario at the Universitario Orense in Orense, Spain. His paper, Intracameral Phenylephrine 1.5% for Prophylaxis Against Intraoperative Floppy Iris Syndrome, Prospective Randomized Fellow Eye Study 
appears in the June 2012 issue of Ophthalmology. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your Media Center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, Join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package or, better yet, Join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Moore or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.